Man, every week here, it's, it's such a privilege to be able to have church because there was a time where this didn't exist. So it's easy to get caught up in tomorrow and forget about right now and quit being grateful in everything you do because you get used to it, you know? And I was thinking about, you know, what I would talk about when I started this message today and God just dropped it on me yesterday afternoon. He wanted you to tell, me, tell you about the time I got fired by my doctor. Did you know that can happen? You can be fired. They don't call it that. I think they say something more official like, we are no longer going to provide medical care to you in a letter. But yeah, see, there was a day where I thought being as bold and brash as possible was the best until my doctor said, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. They had called me in for some tests and I thought I didn't need to go. I just wanted to like, get scheduled for a blood test or something, and they wanted me to do a, this was a long time ago, of course, I would never do that now, right? This was a long time ago, and I, wanted, I didn't want to go in, and I made a comment that now I would not have done, and it just came out of me because it was very harsh and judgmental, and I didn't even realize it until evidently the nurse was so offended, she said, doctor, he's got to go, and I got a letter a couple days later saying I no longer had them as a doctor, which was okay. But it was funny because it wasn't graceful the way I talked to them. It may have been accurate. It may have been truthful, but it wasn't in the love of Christ. It wasn't graceful like God would, doing, God would do. Don't get me wrong, Jesus got mad, but he controlled his emotions. There's only one time where you, you saw him truly lose his temper, and that's when he overthrew the money changers in the synagogues. Well, it was for good reason, and sometimes it's for good reason. But in general, the idea is to act in grace and love, and I can think back so many times when, man, I did not do that. And it's, you know, it's always a work in progress. But maybe if I had communicated differently, not that I still want that doctor, but if I did, maybe if I had communicated differently, I wouldn't have got the letter of termination as a patient. Matt, you can get fired as a patient. We were just talking about that. I don't know if, I don't know if you knew that. I, I didn't either until it happened. It's because I was so bold right here. Before I processed what was going to come out, I just let them have it. It was years ago. I can always throw that in there as a disclaimer. It was a long time ago. But listen, you know, you don't always feel like how you're supposed to act. You don't always feel like being loving, graceful, especially when you're sick, tired, had a bad day. But do you know we're still accountable for our mouths anyway? That there's no like, there's no thing in the Bible that says, if you feel this way, then go ahead and talk this way to them. Otherwise, be like Christ. It's in grace and love always. And we're not perfect people, but we're trying to let God flow through us perfectly. And it's a, it's a work in progress. And if we never stop working, we'll never make progress. You know? But have you ever noticed, maybe it's just me, I'm the cynical one, how hard it is to be nice when you don't feel happy? Have you ever walked down the street? We talked about the elevator button I used to shut on people. But have you ever walked down the street and someone's asked, how are you doing? And you say, good, thanks. But on the inside, you don't feel good. You're really thinking about all the turmoil in your life, issues you wish you could just erase. And you really want to say, not good, let me tell you about it. Maybe some of you do already. The Bible, though, is emphatic on our perspective being around the things that negate the self-sustained man and rather teaches us to be a conduit 
that never holds on to anything good, but rather shares it. Everything good that comes in is supposed to go out. Shares it. Why is that? How can we get ahead and fix our situations if we're consumed with helping everybody else, being nice to everybody, even the ones I don't like, even that neighbor, you know, the one you hit the garage door on when you see him? Neighbor's out, boom, garage door shut. You guys ever had a neighbor like that? Just me. Nate, y'all got garage doors? <laughs> you country folk, just playing, just playing. They got some awesome, they got those big tractor garages. I'm jealous is really what I'm saying. It's possible, though, that there is a connection biblically between a generous heart and a grateful one. It's possible that peace comes by way of not restricting the conduit we call the light of the world. We are a vessel, a conduit, a tunnel for something called God to flow through. And instead, we are to not restrict it, but let Jesus flow out of us into others. If you're searching this morning or this past week for a reason to smile, and let me tell you, we got a lot of people out today that have some serious situations going on. They're searching for a reason to smile. But do you know what you do when you don't have a reason to smile is you go to the word and remember what is good. If you're searching today for a reason to smile, I encourage you to make this connection between generosity and gratefulness. There's a connection. It might be the missing link that is preventing the peace of God from overtaking the barriers the enemy is trying to barricade you with. See, when it stays about the barricade in my situation, I can never get rid of it. But if I put my focus on others and how I can be a blessing, all of a sudden my life starts changing internally. If we go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 through 17, it says, and let the peace of God Verse 15, rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. It says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Everybody say your heart. Let the peace of God rule. It has dominion in your heart to which you were called in one body and be thankful. Everybody say be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, singing with grace. Everybody say grace. In your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all, all, capital, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All. Whatever you do, whatever you feel like, whatever you do, though, do it all in the name of Jesus in word or deed, giving thanks. And when you're angry at somebody, you're not giving thanks. Let me tell you, that's not thankfulness and that's not gratefulness. And that's not generous. You may be hurting somebody and you don't even mean to. Most of the time we don't. The title of today's message is Gaining Gratitude. Gaining Gratitude. See, grateful hearts desire to give abundantly. And this is not about necessarily 
giving money. We're going to have a message on tithing coming up and why tithing matters and why it's biblical and it's an obedience to the word of God. And we're going to go there and people don't like it, but we have to do it as shepherds of the good word. We have to bring the truth. So we're going to talk about that. But this, t- this message today is giving on a broader sense. It's everything you do. Everything, not just your storehouse, not just to support your storehouse, but to support those in your life and everything you come across in word or deed, how to do it with gratitude and grateful hearts, desire to give abundantly. They go together. They go together. Because when you reach a point of gratefulness, you want to just give it. You, you feel satisfied in a way you didn't feel before. Gratefulness brings contentment. You don't feel that peace when you're not content. And when you become grateful, you'll find contentment. Some, some reasons we never find contentment is because we never think about what we have to be grateful for. And I'm going to connect them all for you in a few minutes. But before you can be grateful, you have to maybe initiate something new. And that's difficult for us. If we're used to just living in that pessimist, cynical woe is me world, we all got problems, people. Everybody's got problems, and it's easy to forget that we're not the only one, you know? Sometimes it feels like we're the only one with the problem, and so we're so focused on the problem, we forget that there's maybe someone right around us that's hurting or even worse off. So you have to initiate a new plan of action in your heart, and the Christian walk can be hard because it means giving up control. Oh, God, really? Really, God? got to do everything your way? Yes, says the Lord. But you'll be blessed because of it. Trust me, he says. Do it in good word or deed. Trust with all your heart and be thankful. And watch things change. That's different for me. I'm used to making remedies for my own situation. I got my own concoction for happiness, like coffee. You know, two o'clock comes around. They used to call me Flippy, my brother. When we worked together, it's because I needed my happiness drug, my coffee. Two o'clock in a warehouse in Chesterfield, no air conditioning. Here's little Jeffy drinking coffee. That's right, I got it from my dad. It's in the jeans. But that was my remedy for happiness. But it never lasts when it's our own concoction. And in order to find a sustaining, lasting remedy, we have to initiate something new. Because ultimately, the peace of God could be missing from your life. You, you know, you can go to church, you can be faithful in, in the practical and the mechanicals of going and doing all these things and saying the right things, but if God isn't in your heart and isn't controlling your heart and taking dominion and ruling over your heart, you're still going to lack peace. You're still going to have anxiety. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. In order to be anxious for nothing, you have to override it with peace. Jesus can only bring that peace. It seems more and more like the lack of peace is always surrounding me and my problems. But maybe I need to initiate something new. And churches are always, I knew those churches, they just wanted my money. They had another money-grubbing church. One time somebody messaged me for a few weeks out, social media comment, another money-grubbing church. Really? Man, come to our church. See if you still think that way. But see, he didn't want to initiate something new to see that's not what it was about. He prejudged the situation and he still lacks peace and he would have some peace if he came and found the peace of God that could flow through his heart. He would look at church differently. This is not about the mechanics. This is about a spiritual change, something new in your heart. Grateful hearts desire to give abundantly. And they don't have to tell everybody either. There is so much joy in giving anonymously. Guess who knows? God knows. 
Is it for you or is it for them? If you do it without condition, oh, snap. If you do it completely out of the goodness of your heart, oh, man, God is going to bless you in ways you may never understand. And some of you have been there. Maybe all of you have. It's the best. Because in the end, when we give conditionally, we're setting ourselves up a strategy to reap some kind of attention thing. Maybe on social media, I did this, I did that. It's carnal. It's not God's way. But when we do it completely, unconditionally, God's going to initiate something new in my heart. I always ask myself, and I encourage you to, this is a regular screening I give myself. Do I lack gratefulness? I'll be grateful when. Matt, I'll be grateful when I get my record deal when I was a little kid. I was nine years old and obsessed with becoming Janet Jackson. I'm just telling you. And I couldn't be happy as a nine-year-old. It was really strange. I wasn't a happy kid. I was okay. I mean, I wasn't like depressed, but I wasn't happy. I was rushing to be a man so I could be Janet Jeffrey. Jeffrey Jackson. And so, and so then, then the man came, and then life came, and then some new things happened. So, okay, okay, it's not going to be that. I'll be grateful when I find a girlfriend. I give him music, everything. Okay, music, time to move on with life. I got a girlfriend. I, I, I got an awesome wife out of the deal, and, and, and I'll be grateful when, well, I still lack peace. You know it's not somebody else's job to give you peace. It's not somebody else's job to make you feel grateful. They're not babysitting your heart. You are. You're in control. We're accountable for our decisions. And we got to quit blaming everybody else for why we can't find joy. It's their fault because they're in my life. No, God says you can change them by giving them my word. And all of a sudden, you'll both be happy. How about that? So then it wasn't the mar- it was a marriage and, well, if I get a house and then if I have a kid and then if I get a, a nicer house and then if I get a higher paying job and on and on. And, you know, you can still lack peace in the end. Because those things aren't what bring peace. It happens from within. It happens from a spiritual change of God rooting his word in your heart. Heart. None of those things will last. The newness wears off, so to speak. The new car smell will wear off on everything, no matter how amazing that would sound. Oh, if I just had that, wow. Until you get it, and then it becomes normal. And then people come to you and go, man, you must be so blessed. And you're like, well, this is broken and this doesn't work and this costs this. And here, here you are st- still being broken and lacking peace. And I'm still pessimistic like I was and I'm still ungrateful like I was. What's going on, God? You mean the things aren't there to fix my heart. God says, I'm there to fix your heart. I want something for you. I've got a perfect plan for you. It's our, it's our mission statement. It's our vision statement. And it's true, but God has to get your heart all in. <laughs> the Bible says we are called to it, to be one body. We are called to let peace rule in our heart. We're called to it. We're instructed to it. And we can't have peace if we don't choose to be thankful. And if we're not thankful, we won't produce gratefulness. See how they all intertwine? They work together. They're a team. We're called to it. We're not supposed to wait on it. We're often waiting on something to happen 
God says, you go to it. You go to what I said. You're called to it. Quit waiting on them to give it to you because that's not going to produce a grateful heart. Except for a minute. Choose it and it will find you. You choose to be grateful even when life's miserable. Gratefulness will find you. You know how they say smile and you'll feel happier? They say a thing happens. It's the same with all our decisions we make. When we decide in our heart, this is what it's going to be, things will happen. If we no longer wait, we are called to take action first. And so we do. And when you initiate that new step, you decide that now it's time to develop a new dwelling point. A new dwelling point. My anchor, my stronghold, my household, my dwelling point. Verse 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Hey, kind of like we were doing this morning, Sing, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You know, the Bible says singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord and all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms, which are songs, and hymns, which are songs, and spiritual songs, which are songs. Oh, Michelle, aren't you thankful I just sit there and sing to you all day? Psalms from the Bible. I mean, I thought about it once. I'll never do that. That's not manly. The Bible says we're to admonish each other with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Wow. It sounds silly. Maybe I, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that tonight. When we go, we're going out of town. We go out of town. We get settled. I'm going to whip out a psalm and I'm going to make up my own melody to it. You know what? Let's all try that. Let's all try that at church tonight. Find a psalm you like. You don't have to know the melody. You know their songs. They could be rap. They could be pop. They could be country. Whatever you want to make them. And sing them to your spouse or your friend. And yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff to comfort me. Make something up and see how you feel. Because you're admonishing your neighbor. I'm not country. That's just what came out. But for real, I'm going to do it tonight. Who's with me? Who wants to sing a psalm to someone they know tonight? Just find a song. If, even if you don't want to, just, just, just think about it. And maybe by tonight you'll change your mind and say, you know what, it sounds silly, but I'm going to try it. I'm going to sing a psalm and make up a melody and sing it to those I love and admonish them in spirit and truth. And see what happens in my heart. I know I'll get a good laugh out of it, if anything, and we'll be laughing in the end. So it'll be a good comedy hour. Worst case scenario, you can't lose. <laughs> Develop a dwelling point, though. That's the anchor. And when your dwelling point becomes in him, you know, it's where you live. It's your house. Where is your heart living? Is Christ your dwelling point? Is Christ your house that you're living in from all things that stem from him? Or is he a visitor passing by who just knocks on the door here and there? He has to be your dwelling point to really have dominion of your heart. It says let him rule in your heart. To, have rule, to be able to rule in your heart, he has to have dominion. And to be dominion, he has to... Be king of the castle, so to speak. He has to be in charge of your kingdom in your heart. So initiate something new. Build a dwelling point that is Christ Jesus for all things to go through. It's a conduit. And where you live affects the fruit you bear when it's not Christ. Do you all remember about a year ago? It's Michelle, Michelle's teaching. About a year ago, this is not funny, but it's funny now when I tell it. You'll, get, you'll see why it's funny in a minute. My wife, we were finishing our basement, Matt, and we got some shelves we built that are like hardcore, like 
three-tier, big old, you know, to nine foot in the air. And so she thought it'd be smart and flip-flops to get up there and be cleaning, doing one of these, four kids around her. Now she's hopping. She's just on one foot, hopping on thing. And I turn around, all of a sudden, Michelle's on her back, on concrete, screaming in agony. I thought one of the kids... I thought the shells fell on the kids. I didn't know what was happening. I heard screaming. I saw Michelle on her back on concrete. She had slipped and fell all the way down to the bottom, straight to her back. Okay? It was terrifying. Thank God. We thought she broke her arm. Thank God she was all right. But the reason I'm sharing this, and she laughs about this now, is all the kids were right there. And here was her mother, their mother, falling in anguish, screaming, oh, I mean, she would hate that I'm describing it this way, but she sounded like she was dying, Matt. I was a little nervous. It was Saturday before church, by the way. This is right before church. You know how the devil likes to do that. He likes to plant something in you. So, so the kids were cleaning, okay? And Colton, he's six, turning seven in October. He's got a push broom. He's psh, psh, sweeping construction dust. Mom falls, ah, splat, boom, broken, screaming, screaming, everything dies down. You still hear this. Psh, psh, psh. I'm dead serious. Psh, psh, psh. Uh, son, did you notice your mother is dying on the floor? Dad, I want to finish cleaning. Psh, psh. Anybody that knows Colton knows he, this is how he is. Psh. Now he's six. But you know you can be sweeping all the time and there's someone dying right next to you and you don't even notice that you're going to stop the brew. You know? Psh, psh, psh. Happens all the time. Sometimes you do hear the fall and you just keep sweeping. Psh, I don't want to bother. Psh, I got a cold. I got a cold, Jim. I don't want to stop sweeping and help them. Psh, psh, psh. Oh, they're sick and they went in the hospital. Oh, well, they'll, they'll get out. They got doctors. Psh, psh. Oh, they're losing their home. Oh, they asked for prayer. Pray for praying. Hashtag praying emoticons, emojis. Psh, 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 guilty. Psh, psh. So we can be sweeping around problems as long as we choose to. But when you, when, you, when you have to, when you don't have a choice sometimes and you have to stop, not because you want to stop, you have to stop sweeping, God's going to open your eyes to someone right here you didn't know that would be so blessed because you made time for them in their time of their, their toxic season, their time of struggle, that they just were so moved that you would stop sweeping and come to them. You change them forever by being a conduit for Christ. And you know what's so cool? Is when you do something that unselfish, God says, here, take some more. Oh, God, you're blessing me. I didn't ask for this. I know I did. I didn't, you didn't ask for it. That's why I'm giving it to you, because I trust you. I trust what I give you, because you're doing my will. You're giving away what I give you. So I'm going to give you plenty. Don't worry about that. But if you keep giving away what I'm giving you, and you stop sweeping when someone needs you, I'm going to give you much more than just a dirty old broom. You're going to have a mansion in the sky for eternity and live in my house. And you're going to bless and get others up there with you in the process by being a conduit. It will change you into going from a selfish mentality to a grateful one. And I'm, I'm speaking to myself here. There's been times in my life where I was a straight-up a straight jerk to people. Very selfish, self-centered. I mean, we, we all have our moments. But when you embrace the moments to be 
um, unselfish, unconditional, God starts building gratitude in your heart and you start craving what actually works, which is gratefulness, doing things for others. That's what fuels the high of gratefulness and eventually it just stays. I mean, you'll have your moments. No, nobody's gonna just always feel happy, but you choose to be grateful anyway because there's always someone worse. Jesus died on a cross and really suffered for us. So I'll choose to be grateful even when I think I got this mucus thing in my throat and I just want to hawk a loogie sometimes and I can't because I'm preaching. You know, it doesn't matter because Jesus died on a cross for me. So I will choose to be grateful no matter what. It doesn't matter how, if I feel like it, I'm called to it. We are called to it. We are called to set an example, not follow one. The only example we follow is Christ. When people don't think it's cool, do it. They'll think it's cool after a hundred times of seeing it. They're just waiting for someone to take the lead. God's calling you to take the lead. Grateful hearts desire to give abundantly. If my core dwelling, my heart is not willing to give, God says I won't reap. That was a scripture she just read in, oh, where'd it go? Be a cheerful giver. We just quoted it earlier. It says that if we don't give, we won't reap. But it says, he who sows bountifully, well, oh, it's the verse right here, will also reap bountifully. My ADD is kicking in here. When you look past yourself and you do it bountifully, you will reap bountifully, it says. So you don't have to worry about yourself. God's got you covered. He's got you covered. God will bless you in ways that you thought had no value. You didn't think visiting that old person in the senior center would do any good to you. Why do they need me? It probably smells like Ben Gay in there. Hey, maybe it does. You know what? God's gonna forever bless you because that lady or that man, maybe that's just a scenario. Change your heart forever. See, our preconceived notions of a situation that will have no value to bless my life are the ones that God uses to bless your life. Those are the ones, not the ones that look good at first. It's the ones that look kind of dirty and rough that I don't think I wanna do. That's when God's gonna stretch you and change you. You didn't know you liked Katamata olives as a kid. You didn't know you liked broccoli. I still kind of don't, Clint, but it's better. It's better. God's still working on me there in the broccoli department. I didn't know I liked black coffee with sugar as a kid until I was about 16, and I won't talk about why. And I had to drink some, and it was just the only thing I could do, and I've been hooked on it ever since. <laughs> That's the old me. But God will change your heart. God will bless you in a way you never thought could happen. Here's the good thing right here. Peace, joy, generosity, gratefulness, thankfulness. Peace, joy, generosity, gratefulness, thankfulness, they all work together. Guess what? When I find joy, I'll find peace. I'll be generous. I'll become grateful and I'll feel thankful. Guess what? When I feel thankful, I'll become grateful. When I become grateful, I'll find joy. I'll find peace. Guess what? When I find thankfulness, I'll become grateful, generous. See, one always leads to the rest. You start with one, God says, I got you. Just step in the waters and start with one and I'll, I'll chain them all together because they all work together for my good and my glory and my purpose. So don't overthink it. Just be unconditional with your heart to people and God will change and shake up your world like you've never seen.
We've got this grace, right? It's because of his grace, right? We've had an opportunity to be made new. But now God is saying, redirect your grace to someone. Redirect it to someone else. Second Colossians verse nine, chapter nine, verse six through eight says, but this I say, excuse me, second Corinthians chapter nine, verse six through eight says, but this I say, he, I just quoted this like a coffee. Let's say it again. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, out of his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity. Don't do it because they told you to. Do it out of your heart. For God loves, everybody say, he loves a cheerful giver. He loves it. He loves it and he loves you. He loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you when you are a cheerful giver. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. He says when you're a cheerful giver and you do it not because of them, because out of the goodness of your heart, I'm going to surplus your life with an abundance that you can't hold on to even if you wanted to. And you're going to have so much grace and so much gratefulness and so much love and so much mercy that you wake up every day going, how can I bless them. That's what happens. That's what happens. And it takes time. It takes time. But that will happen. I promise you. You will find joy in things that you never thought were worth stand on. Stomp your foot on. You thought it was just rubbish. God says, no, that's the gold. That's the gold. Redirect your grace to the next person. Give away what's been given to you because a grateful heart desires to give abundantly. When you do one, you'll gain the other. It can go either direction. Gratitude is built upon cheerful giving. You can't have one without the other because they're reciprocating. One bears the fruit of the other. As I give, I recognize I need to be grateful. As I recognize I want to be grateful, I desire to give. I'm talking about in all things, your time, your talents, your, 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 your church support. I'm talking about anything you can give to anyone in life we're talking. Your word of wisdom, your encouragement, your hug. If you want to be generous, recognize your blessings. When you recognize how blessed we are as people, you'll desire to be generous. See, I'm going back and forth through these word patterns because they all connect to the same end result. If you want to be blessed then, start giving. I don't need it. The world needs it. And God called us to it, to be cheerful about it because we are blessed, baby, by the best. Gratitude is what heals your heart from the turmoil in the beginning. You thought you didn't have time to focus on them because of the problem was so big. And that's what gratitude will do in the end is heal the problem that you wanted to get rid of to begin with. Gratitude will create new desires to reach others. God says you will have an abundance when you abide in me, when you make me your dwelling point. If y'all could stand with me as we close this last Sunday of September 2019, Jesus says, I am more than enough. 
Quit worrying about the paycheck. I am more than enough. Do you believe me, says God? I am more. I challenge you this week. We're always challenging because we want you to take the word with you and do something with it different than last week. We want to grow as people. That's the idea. And I challenge you this week to ask yourself, am I grateful? What am I grateful in? What is my dwelling point? When I got a problem with somebody this week, let me slow my roll, as we used to say. Slow your roll, bro. Think first. Slow to speak, quick to listen, says James, the brother of Jesus. When I have a problem this week, let me think through how I'm going to communicate it to someone. Because maybe this time, instead of them putting up this and running from me, maybe this time, when I say it through the love of Jesus in a way they can receive into their soil, it will root differently. That when they know I'm for them, not against them, that I want to bring us together, not divide us, and all these things, they may receive it differently. If you've had a problem with someone, maybe you don't have a problem with someone. It's just you feel like your life is surrounded by the turmoil we talked about in the beginning. Man, we've got some situations right now with some people. And it's just, it's always an eye-opener to me that the best way to heal self is to take the focus off of ourself and put it on someone for just a bit and really focus your time and energy on them and ask God how you can be a conduit to their situation. And all of a sudden, man, you'll feel like your problems aren't so big and they may just go away altogether. I challenge you this week to do that. 